Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. On this special episode, we recap our coverage of the Boston Festival of Indie Games, where we saw a whole host of new and upcoming games that we want to tell you about. I'm here with the whole panel today, Evan, Mike, Ed, and Joe, to chat about what we saw. Say hi, guys. Hey, what's up? Hello. Hello. Well, let's get right into it, because we have a lot to cover. This fig has been held at the MIT campus for quite a while now, and I talked to Caroline Murphy, who's the current CEO of the fig, and uh, she said that the campus has always been very supportive of this particular convention. It felt to me like that game convention hall was almost too small to fit all the games that we saw. Oh, yeah. They're packed at a guild. They elect different people to be part of the uh, festival, too. So there's a bunch of other people that didn't even get in. Wow. Yeah. So we could have seen even more if they had more space, maybe. At the Boston Fig this year, there were 40 exhibitors in the board game hall. And then upstairs in the digital hall, which was video games, there were 48 more. So pretty big convention overall. Caroline Murphy said there is a guild in the Boston area called the Game Makers Guild. They get together um, to help each other and support each other with game design. So some some of you game designers might want to check that out. And she said a, a, a few of the games that were there were from came out of that guild. Uh, and we saw some world-class games, I got to say. And as we walked into the hall... We were greeted with some tasty treats. So we wanted to give a shout out to the Cookie Brigade. Yeah, the Cookie Brigade. Ed, (laughs) what is the Cookie Brigade? The Cookie Brigade is a charity making cookies for kids. They raised over $450,000 in 2007. Awesome. Whoa. It's to raise money to give games to sick kids, right? Yeah. You don't have to buy the cookies. It's more of a donation system. So you take what cookies you want and then put some money in the box. I want to say I enjoyed the peanut butter cookie very much. Peanut butter banana Mm. and peanut butter chocolate chip banana. Right, Mike? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That was really good. That one was good. I was able to wash that cookie down with the orange edition of the Red Bull. Mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the convention was was sponsored by Red Bull, and they were passing out free Red Bull, like every good college campus should, I guess, yeah, that's at the door. Yeah, that's every good gaming convention. Yeah, that, that <laughs> venue is perfect for people getting juiced up on cookies and Red Bull before they go in. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, and we want to just let everybody know there's going to be lots of video coverage of this on our YouTube channel. So check it out. Uh, one of the first games we saw was Dead Man's Doubloons. I really enjoyed this game because um, it is a fully published game. Beautiful art. You can check it out at thundergriff.com. That's thunder and then G-R-Y-P-H.com. Two words ghost ship oh this this was a great game of you know piracy the person with the most doubloons wins uh but one of the things i really liked about it is you get two models of your ship one is your corporeal ship that exists but if you sink or some other calamity strikes you you may end up having to turn into your ghost ship and you get an entirely new piece which is made of translucent plastic yeah, yeah awesome. it's really cool looking. i like that it is it's very cool the pieces were high quality high production value mm-hmm. and i think the game mechanics looked pretty fun oh yeah i mean the, the meeples were spectacular um the meeples actually had a new uh treatment on them which is like a heat printing and they didn't and they weren't stickers which is nice you didn't they didn't sticker a picture over a wooden meeple 
It was actually printed on the meeple. Oh. Yeah, that was cool. I'd never seen that process before. Yeah. One of the captain characters was a parrot who had a backstory. So each <laughs> captain got their own backstory, each character you could play. Um, and yeah. for example, like the parrot. He got cursed for some space dust and turned into a like a sentient parrot. And also the mice on the ship or the rats all got also hit with the space dust and became his crew. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. And I mean, they kind of had me at ghost ship. So yeah. that, and, and a great looking game overall. So that's Dead Man's Doubloons by Thundergriff. Another game we saw was Everdell. This has been out for a, a few months now. Ed, you want to tell us about it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I first saw this game when we were at the WBC. A few people were playing it. I was like, wow, it's really cool because it had this like giant tree in the middle and like, multiple levels with all kinds of uh, meeple goods all over the place. It was awesome. Yes, it is. A, what kind of a game is it? It's a resource management and worker placement. So ah. you're kind of building your own tableau and work, moving workers around and building goods. And it basically, it's, uh, you're like in the charming valley of Everdell trying to build stuff. You know, you're all forest critters, critters trying to do stuff. This is a very pretty game. It was. Multi-level stacking and nice colors. He built it as kind of like a peaceful worker placement game. Um, mm. And I, one thing I thought was cool is that the different pieces, like uh, the different resources that you gather, had different textures to them. Like one of them was squishy. Um, one of them was like a see-through crystal kind of thing. And they had like the wooden pieces. It was neat because the people that were playing had lots of little things in front of them. And to have all those tangible pieces while you were managing them and having them look different did give me a feeling of being in the forest, gathering different things. I'm having a look at the artwork online. There's uh, plenty of places you can go to have a look. And uh, nice job really putting this together. It is an attractive game. It's going to catch you wherever you are if you walk by it. So that's a good sign. Yeah, it has that cool three-dimensional look to it. Yeah, just look at the name of these resources. You get like 30 berry, 30 twig, 25 resin, 20 pebble tokens in the game. Oh, cool. Yep. And that's Everdell by Starling Games. It's out now. I uh, really liked a game called Penguin Slap. (laughs) (laughs) It's a card game where you have a character, which is one of the penguins. Maybe not species that you would find out in the wild, (laughs) but um, (laughs) they were were cool. They were really great art. Um, Very colorful, very high quality, good design on this game. Very funny. Um, And I thought super professional looking. And it was a game of basically stealing each other's cards. You're trying to have cards left, so you're slapping cards out of their hand. Yeah, and the cards are fish. Are you saying there's a physical aspect to this game? No, we thought that too at first. <laughs> okay. So I, that was my first question I asked them. is like, do you actually slap the cards out of their hand? And they're like, no. And I was so disappointed. <laughs> I could see Celeste going nuts with that game. Uh, so we talked to both the designer and the artist. They sort of designed the game together. And they are uh, movie animators by day. This is their, you know, nighttime hobby is creating games. And they did say that it was okay to institute a house rule for slapping each other if you really wanted to. Oh, Oh. (laughs) thank goodness for that. Play with your friends. Play with your enemies. Right away, it looked like it'd be a cheerful game to play. Lots of fun uh, and very hectic, which, of course, I like hectic, fun games. At the end of the con, there is a People's Choice Award, and we will get to the winners of the convention. There are winners declared in different categories, but we're each given tickets for the People's Choice Award as you enter the convention. But at the end of the con, I 
I guess I waited too long and the, some of the boxes were gone by the time I went to go put my tickets in. So mm -hmm. they certainly get my vote in spirit, if not in <laughs> physical form. So that's Penguin Slap. You can see it at uh, lowsodiumgames.com. <laughs> <laughs> And you can also support them right now on Kickstarter. Their Kickstarter is running from now until October 31st. Awesome. We also saw a game called Deblockle and Chroma Cube. Are these two different games? They are two different games, but they use similar components. They made them with one of those uh, laser cutters for wood. Ooh. Uh, yeah. That's like, so he has the, the guy who created this game actually owns one of those things. And uh, <laughs> my first thought was, oh, my God, I can never own one of those because I would probably burn down an entire forest uh, just to make <laughs> stuff with it. <laughs> but um, the game is beautiful. Um, so the way it works is there's a couple of uh, stars on this grid board. It's like a wooden grid. And you have these blocks that fit into the little grid spaces. And to do your next move, you roll your block over and whatever side is facing up is a different kind of move, like jump three spaces or knock somebody's block back. So your goal is to take your turn to roll your blocks star side facing up into the star space to win. Right. Um, it's It looks really fun, complex, but like really elegant, beautiful game. So I'm looking forward to play it. We might even get a copy for the show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a must play. Uh, the other one, um, Chroma Cube by the same guy. Um, it uses wooden cubes also of a bunch of different colors that fit into a uh, kind of a grid also. Your goal is to figure out which blocks are missing from the chart that they give you. So it's a memory game? Not a memory game. It's more like Sudoku sort of deductive game where you have to oh. eliminate which blocks are supposed to go in there or which ones aren't um, into the spaces. And there's 25 different levels of difficulty that he arranged for it. Whoa. 25 different levels of difficulty for, you know, just a card that you have to solve, basically. And he's encouraging people to go online and, like, make up new puzzles and stuff like that, too. Ooh. Oh, that's clever. They have a great website as well. Yeah, debacle.com and chromacubepuzzle.com. Deblockle. Oh, and uh, also, uh, they said they're, they may be available soon in Barnes & Noble. Oh, wow. That's Ooh. big. That's everywhere. You know, they would fit right in there. They look the part. Okay, so that's Deblockle and Chroma Cube. We also saw a game called That's Wizard. That's Wizard. <laughs> or that's, that's Wizard. wizard. <laughs> we still love this name. We fell in love with the name at the uh, CT Fig, which we, we talked about this game at the CT Fig, and it won the CT Fig. Um, and so we were excited to see it back at the Boston Fig because we did not get an opportunity to uh, talk to the designer over in CT. So uh, we did get a chance to talk to the designer this time, and when I was talking to him, my – Number one question was, of course, what does the title mean? Is it in fact what I thought it was, which was a mic drop? That's wizard or that's wizard. He said <laughs> <laughs> he had a he had a cool origin story. Uh, his name is Matt. And he said it's a pop culture reference. It is intended to be an adjective. The word wizard is meant to be an adjective. So it's a descriptor. It was used a lot. I remember in like old Agatha Christie novels. No way. Yeah. What do you mean? What do you mean it was used in Agatha Christie as a descriptor? It was, well, it, it tended to be said by characters who were kind of clueless, especially if they were wealthy and clueless and never done a day of work in their lives. And what would it mean? Like, would you like a cocktail? Oh, yeah, wizard. Like, that's amazing? As in, that would be cool. Oh. What? <laughs> so it is an older pop culture reference, too. That's interesting. Yeah. So where Matt got the pop culture reference was when it was used in a 
I hate to even say it, Star Wars. Second trilogy, Phantom Menace, I believe. Young Anakin was building something. And when he was done, the kid who was with him said, wow, Annie, that's so wizard. So (laughs) it is definitely meant to be an adjective, which I thought was very cool. So tell us a little bit about the game, Mike. It plays a little bit like Magic the Gathering or Mage Wars, you know, games people are familiar with, but it has a little twist to it where uh, when you play cards, they have kind of a duration. So uh, you play a card. And it lasts for a certain amount of time and does stuff for each turn it's out. You have a set number of cards that you build for your deck. It's only uh, seven cards in a deck. Five that you choose out of a bank of cards you start with. And then two that every player always has. And it's just a one-on-one duel game. It sounds like it could be a pretty quick game. It could be very quick, actually. (laughs) You could end it in a few rounds. You have energy, and when you run out of energy by casting your spells, you have to play a card that resets your energy, so it kind of wastes one of your turns. So you have to be really strategic as to when you decide to go for the attack or step back and renew your resources. Yeah, I like that. I like the rule how every attack you play, you basically said have to set up how powerful it is, how much power you're going to invest in it. Oh, yeah. It's, there's like a little meter. Ooh, that sounds cool. And if you choose a lower attack... Attack with lower power than the one I chose, and we attack at the same time. Your attack comes off first. Choose wisely, then. I've always liked that kind of mechanic where you like, oh, how much juice do I put in? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It gives you a ton of choices with yeah. only seven card hand. Yeah, so it's really clever. I understand why it won the CT fig. Yeah, and uh, Matt was working hard that day. There were a lot of people coming through to play, and yeah. uh, some of them were clearly old school card gamers, like Magic mm-hmm. players and stuff, because the way their hands were moving, it was fast, and they seemed really into it. That is, that's wizard, or that's wizard. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we also saw a game called Dragoon by Lay Waste Games. Uh, this is available right now. Ed, tell us a little bit about it. In this game, you get to be the dragon. Yeah. Do I really need to say more? <laughs> <laughs> it's a two to four player game where you and your fellow dragons are out there destroying human villages and collecting gold and hoarding it. Of course. What else would dragons be doing? I didn't get to reach. I didn't get to see the uh, designer there, but the guy who was selling the game was really excited about the fact that you get to play the quote unquote bad guys in this game. And yeah, he yeah. was talking about the humans as oh the dirty humans coming to mess up my <laughs> hoard of oh, treasure like you know gosh. it's really funny they're like parasites and they now have a, a new expansion where you can play the humans yeah what why would you want to do that i always play the humans <laughs> i know vengeance but it, <laughs> is mine Revenge. it's the barbarian expansion i got the, the the barbarians are going and raiding the villages for human uh, for gold too so now mm-hmm. it's a race to collect the gold but the, uh, the pieces are really cool looking, and they have a, a nice cloth map from the, uh, the gold edition I saw. Oh, so that is Dragoon by Lay Waste Games. It does sound like blazing good fun. Yes, it does. <laughs> we also saw Beneath Nexus by Silver Clutch Games. It is out now. You can buy it. Ed and I saw this game. Ed, what's it about? It's a game for 46 players, and you're basically going around trying to do a dungeon crawl. Yeah, this is a card game dungeon crawl except yeah it's really cool it it looked cool i'm super excited to play it we're gonna play it and review it soon they were nice enough to provide us with a review copy of the game 
So we're going to check it out. Yeah, it looks simple, but interesting. It really does. I liked the art a lot. Oh, yeah. They have the oversized size card, too. They do. So the characters come on oversized cards, which is really nice. And then you have, you know, your normal size hand of cards. I'm really looking forward to playing this one. It is Beneath Nexus. Stay tuned for more about this. We should have a review of it soon. And if you're interested in checking it out right now, it is with SilverClutchGames.com. We also saw a game called DIY Auction House by Candunk Games. This will be a good video one. Uh, everybody should check out the video of Mikey playing the DIY Auction House. These guys were a lot of fun. I didn't really get to play it too much, but uh, he was showing me how all the mechanics work and stuff like that. Um, so I'm going to read this little blurb we have here. Welcome to the DIY Auction House. Our rich and lazy patrons have sent you to work and bid for their desired items. So this is a game that isn't, it's sort of still in development a little bit, Mike? Are, is it, are they still in development? Are they like flat out looking for publishers? They're straight up looking for a publisher right now. They um, are ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, I mean, he, this, this guy was like, can you publish it? Like, <laughs> he, was <ready>. <laughs> <laughs> he was ready for a publisher. So. so on their display for DIY Auction House, they had a gavel. Um, instead of a gavel for like sold, they had a hammer on the picture. I'm like, why do you have a hammer instead of a gavel? And they're like, well, it's a DIY auction house. That's right. <laughs> they would have a you, gavel at their house. You got a hammer, definitely, but no gavel. <laughs> so you get it, Evan. I didn't quite get it, but you clearly get it. So Totally, totally. And this game had a lot of different uh, stuff that you'd like to see in an auction game, though. It's like hidden information, um, trying to control the four different auction areas. There was a, like a draft that went around the table. So it looked like the mix of mechanics was pretty unique. It was really interesting. The people I watched playing the demo were really struggling with how much they should bid. So that's a good sign. That is DIY Auction House. We also saw Gladius, which got me with the name. I really like uh, the Gladiator and Roman era games. So uh, I was interested right away. Uh, and it is a straight up arena fighting card game. I loved the simplicity of this game. I understood it instantly. It was like, here's your gladiator. Here's some, and here's your hand of cards. Here's some special abilities. Can I add them to my gladiator? Sure. So I really enjoyed that. The premise of the game is you're playing the Romans, right? Um, a somewhat rich Roman who can bet on gladiators and sort of manage them as well. You're running a Ludus. Sort of, yeah. What I, one of the other mechanics that I liked a lot about it was that the gladiators came out randomly. And I liked that. You didn't pick your gladiator. You're not sending in a particular gladiator that day. You're sending in whoever's next, whoever's ready. It, it seemed like a really easy game to pick up. It was for two to, I believe, five players. Um, and the playtime really depended on how many players there were. They said about 30 to 45 minutes. They are going to have a Kickstarter. I hope you guys can remember all the way till March or mark an alert for yourself because their Kickstarter starts in March. Um, but I liked what I saw so far. That's Gladius. Um, they have a Facebook page and they have a website, ourminigames.com, Game Lab. Cool. Check it out, everybody. Another game we saw was Renova. What caught my eye about this game was the uh, beautiful art style on the cover. It was sort of a sweeping landscape, very brightly colored. Um, the artist was there at the table. It was really nice to get a chance to speak to him. And he said he was inspired by the impressionist artists. And I certainly got that sense. 
Mike was there too. Mike, what did you think about this game? This is like a a one-on-one battle game on a map. And the map was actually just a piece of art, which I thought was cool. And it didn't have any demarcations for spaces on the map. So when you wanted to move towards your opponent, you use these little discs that you put on the table. And I've seen other games that use like measuring tapes. I've never seen one that uses discs for your movement. So if you have five points of movement, you put five discs touching each other. And that's the path that you take through the map. Hmm. Um, So that was really cool because it accounts for corners and going around obstacles So I thought it was clever, and I'm really looking forward to testing this one out. I liked the movement style, too. It was cool to have these little circles to measure how far you were going. I would not have thought that I would have liked something like that where I couldn't just count my hexes or my squares, but I actually had to measure it myself. But I kind of enjoyed it, and I liked the feel of the circles. I thought circles was a good choice. Yeah, we talked to both the artist and the designer there. Mm-hmm. Yep, they were both there, which is, uh, like we said, always a treat to see the artist and the designer. Usually the artist is kind of somebody that gets hired by the designer or the designer is the artist. This is cool that both of them were sitting side by side and talking about how they made synergy for the game between the art and had the importance on the art as well as the, the gameplay. And that is Renova. It's still in development. Uh, next up is a game that I saw and thought was adorable called Leaf Me Alone. Oh, I love puns. <laughs> I'm all over that game. He doesn't even need to know what it's about. It's got puns. He's in. I've already reviewed it in my head. Dig it up. (laughs) Well, I actually did see it, and I think you still would dig it up, uh, even beyond the uh, pun. One of the great things about this particular table at the convention was it was always hopping and fun and busy and really, really cheerful. Everybody there was having a good time. It does attract kids because there is, there's some cool mechanics for kids. What it is, is everybody is trying to, they're at sort of a camping area maybe, and they each get their own leaf pile that they're trying to build. Right. And uh, as they gather their leaves, they have some extra tokens they can use to block other players from getting leaves. So it can Uh. get, you know, like, no, you can't have that. And once you assemble your leaf pile on your little area near your log, you get to jump in your leaf pile. (laughs) And, And that's represented by essentially flipping the leaf pieces with this little sort of flipper sitting on a log so you get to whack it and all the leaf pieces go flying oh they have like a leaf catapult on the table yeah come on physical aspect like that yeah at the table they had a net so that when you flip your cards you didn't like flip them over to the other person's play area (laughs) but you don't need that they don't really go that far unless i suppose you could my son might whack the thing really hard but when you flip your leaves they actually land on the scoreboards so it's the you score based on how many leaves landed in a certain area. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun in that way. I thought it was cool. a, an adorably designed game. It's not yet published, but I can imagine that this will definitely get published. It was a delightfully fun game. Um, and right away, I can't imagine any kid not enjoying it. Yeah, it's just wild to me that somebody would come up with a theme based on a pile of leaves that you want to jump in. Well, if you have kids. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. When I was eight, that's what I was doing in the fall. Not that much of a stretch. Yeah. That's Leave Me Alone by Pair of Jack's Games. Um, not yet published, but probably soon. We also saw a game called Cheer Up uh, by Cheer Up Games. Cheerupgames.com. Mikey and I played it. Mike, tell us about it. 
so that was the first thing we saw when we walked into the con uh, area where all the games were and the people behind the desk were so cheerful and the name cheer up just drew us right in <laughs> um <laughs> uh, what we discovered after checking it out was that it's kind of a similar game to apples to apples in the way that you it's a card judging game right yeah. it's a judgment game exactly but uh, in this, they use a noun, verb, adjective kind of setup. So you draw three cards, or six actually, and choose the three that go to get together the best to make the funniest answer to whatever the question is that flips. So the judge will pull a question, then you'll take your cards and come up with a, a sentence. Now, I, I noticed there was a rule deck, so what kind of thing did that do to the game? So what the rules do will force the players who have already chosen their three cards to make their phrase and... Uh, It'll mess with that. Like it'll make you, it'll force you to say it in a funny accent or something like that. So you might choose the three words and then say, oh, now say it in a pirate accent. Uh -huh. um, or it'll change the rules a little bit to say you have to throw away one of the cards you had and pick one off the top of the deck to replace it with. Okay, cool. So it becomes so, yeah. even more random. <laughs> yeah, even more random. Exactly. It It's definitely a party game. Uh, mm -hmm. so they've got the, uh, the, they're marketing it correctly and the party box, it looked like a cool little blue party box. Oh yeah. Their Kickstarter completed already. So it's shipping soon. Cool. That's cheer up by cheerupgames.com. We saw a couple of games that were interesting because of their theme. They're two religion themed games. Uh, first one we saw was schism. So Schism is a trick-taking game where you sort of sit at a table bridge style, you know, one on each side, and it is a team game. And the idea is your bishops who are attempting to wrangle the population of various theological backgrounds into joining their newly established church. <laughs> so that's the theme. Yeah. Uh, but the mechanic is essentially trick-taking. The theme informs play in the way that you post decrees um, from your church. And that can change how, you know, the tricks can be taken um, and what tricks can be taken. I liked the art a lot. It was almost a stained glass style. And I know Mikey talked to the uh, designer. I didn't realize that the art was supposed to be like tongue in cheek and slapsticky. Uh, so it looks like a stained glass window on all the different pieces of art. But you, know, if you look closely, there's like a slap fight between two bishops on one of them or like a, a monk who's kind of making a face like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's he meant it to be humorous and to poke a little bit of fun at like medieval religion. That, and I think that really came across in the art. It was cool. It was. It was a cheerful, pleasant looking game. Um, and I found the mechanics to be interesting Inter for a trick taking game. It had just enough thematic twists to make it worthwhile. The name is something that really intrigued me because the description of what was going on in the, in the game really hit me as something that I had actually sort of wondered if you could make a game out of that. And I thought, <laughs> no, it's, it's just too chaotic. I was like, how do you actually put that into any kind of a framework No, that, that would work for a game? Well, now you'll notice, Joe, that you can make a game about anything. I mean, there's the last one we talked yeah. about before was about a leaf pile, and now we're talking about the a religious schism. Well, <laughs> well, you know, I I take a little bit of issue with that. I think the I think the leaf pile <laughs> thing was more of something. Uh, you were a little skip skeptical that anyone would want to play a game about that, <laughs> as opposed to something that might be intriguing, but it's just not practical. Anything could be a board game. I don't know. I, I kind of had fun jumping the leaf piles. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 
I think I think today's game designers are up to the challenge yeah. of using yeah. just about any theme imaginable. Yeah, that room was buzzing with creativity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Speaking of any theme imaginable, another game we saw was called Lost and Found. And this is a game series teaching about the medieval religious legal systems. Whoa. I know. Jeez. It's, it's, we're, we're, we're treading into like anti-monopoly territory. It's yeah. one step more arcane than... Schism? <laughs> at, least, at least on the level of the premise. I would agree with that. This one that I saw was based on Jewish laws in the medieval religious legal system it was a card game and you would get the rule right the law would come up and then you would have to sort of develop how you handle the law so you sort of are trying to support what's best for your family while also trying to support what's best for your community and balancing those two things in order to win and it was a delicate balance And it did seem to me from the game designer that the goal here was teaching about Mm -hmm. these systems in a way that would be more interesting than just reading a textbook. Yeah, I thought the uh, educational touch in the game was uh, evident and pretty interesting. They have two different games there and they both have different aspects and they're teaching basically legal reasoning, which is cool. The second game in the series, Lost and Found, Order of the Court, a party game. It's a fast-paced storytelling and judging game. Players compete to tell the best story about how a medieval legal ruling may have gotten into court in the first place. Emphasizes legal reasoning. This game's designers come out of RIT, the Rochester Institute of Technology. So kudos to them for designing this game, this teaching game. So you can check both of those out at lostandfoundthegame.com. We also saw a few role-playing games. One I really uh, thought was fun and interesting was called Return to the Stars. And they have an open Kickstarter right now you can support. This is a build as an optimistic role-playing space game. So it's a science fiction game about hopefulness. And I really enjoyed speaking with the designer. We'll have a video of that up. He liked the idea of a hopeful sort of Star Trek style, hopeful future. And he thought that that really being optimistic about the future was the subversive choice, right? He's saying cynicism is mainstream. It's not very subversive or punk. The subversive thing to do, the punk thing to do is to be optimistic about the future. And I get it. I get his argument. This guy was one of the most animated people at the entire con. One might say optimistic. They describe it as it's for you if you enjoy tales filled with optimism, hope where players can paint a better future in bold primary colors. (laughs) (laughs) I liked it. I think I'm going to play this game. I mean, uh, I think I might make a four or five session game for my uh, for my role playing group and um and play it through because it was a tra- it was an attractive idea to me. I always liked the idea of optimistic sci-fi games because there's so many dark ones out there. I know that you can download right now a free PDF version of the Quick Start Rules, so you could play this game right now for free and then decide or check it out at least and then decide if you want to support the Kickstarter. Um, you can go right now to festive.ninja and check it out today. Another role-playing slash storytelling game that we saw was Ten Candles by Cavalry Games. Mike, you were talking to the designer. What's it about? 
Okay, so this is kind of a cool, dark role-playing storyteller where you start off with 10 candles, and as different points in the story happen, and it's a story that you're going to tell with your friends and make up as you go along, uh, but as the story progresses, a candles get snuffed out, and the players are slowly dying. And everybody dies by the end of the game, right? By the end of the game, yeah. everybody dies. And he says it okay. sort of has a, a nice, hopeful... <laughs> edge to it <laughs> but i think i need to play this game to see what he means by that yeah kind of funny you go from a game that looks hopeful for the future and now we're talking about one where everybody dies i did do some background reading about 10 candles and you know i kept thinking this is what vampire the masquerade and all those other games should have been mm-hmm. interesting interesting yeah. it it sounds really it sounds attractive i love the idea of having the prop of 10 candles on the table and slowly shutting them off or snuffing them out as the game goes on that that's a cool idea i mean c- consider how much better impending doom makes you face you know eternity than just oh I'm, I'm an immortal character who can do anything i want right and that's i think what he was going for you don't have to face a damn thing if you, you know if you, if you, if you <laughs> exactly don't, if you're immortal and super powerful but right merit meritorious sacrifice is what he was going for here right mike yeah that seemed what he was going for you know i think the cooler that you sacrifice yourself like the the better effect it has on the game. It's just a really neat mechanic, and I, I want to see it played out. That's 10 Candles by Cavalry Games, and it's available now, cavalrygames.com. Before we get to the winners of the con, let's talk a little bit about a few companies that we bumped into, which we found interesting. One was Board Game Empire, which <laughs> which is at playbgempire.com. They're a company that <laughs> will host game events for you, board game events. Um, and they do events like board game speed dating, which yeah. we, we thought was a pretty cool idea yeah. because really what's more important than checking out how your future significant other plays board games. I mean, that is pretty much key to your relationship, right? The interaction you have with somebody while playing a board game could make or break a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> that seems like a pretty good test. <laughs> uh, they'll host board game tournaments for you, board game meetups, escape room nights, and um, also private parties if you'd like to do that very fancy so uh, for the truly elite a fun event company a great idea um we also saw a very useful company for game designers and publishers called ship naked mikey why don't you tell us about it the way they started off billing themselves when i was talking to them was that designers aren't usually very good at the whole logistics part of designing a game like once they get their kickstarter funded uh it's a lot better to have somebody who knows what they're doing to take over the shipping part and all that and so these guys know how to do logistics yeah logistics Um, are a very complicated problem especially if you're dealing with worldwide shipment and now no printing stuff in china and now you got tariffs mm -hmm. and stuff to navigate so Yeah, so not only do they handle all that stuff after the Kickstarter, but they encourage you to talk to them before you actually finalize your Kickstarter prices and stuff because they'll help you to get a realistic idea of how much the shipping will cost, how much the weight of your box or size of your box will impact the cost. So it seems like a really, really useful tool to have for uh, game designers. So you can find them at shipnaked.com. 
We also saw another event type company called Quest Time Party Games. Now, what I liked about these guys, they're young and they're, they look like they're, uh, excited about what they're doing. They host essentially little role-playing games, not quite an escape room, not quite a murder mystery. They'll come to your location and play characters to host a story adventure for you. They had a cool little setup for kids parties um, where they offered you cards with clues on them so that the kids could try to deduce who the criminal was or who the bad guy was uh, in the party. And also performative theater-style games for adults. One of them even walked around the con dressed up like a ghost. (laughs) Props to this company for having a live costumed person at their booth. I did respect that. There wasn't a lot of that going around like you'd see at a fandom con. So it was actually a nice departure. They have a a website, questtime.com. How many T's are in Quest Time? One T. Thank you, Joe. Questtime.com with one T. All right. Now on to the winners of the Boston Fig. They give out seven awards. So the game that won best game in progress was D-N-Abled. That's D.N.Abled. Ed, what's this game about? It's listed as a dexterity party game where players must overcome a growing list of wacky mutations and still be able to play a card. Prove that you are the greatest mad scientist by being the last one standing. This game is still in development. It was developed by Marcus Lenner, L-E-H-N-E-R, and it looks like he is part of the Game Makers Guild, which is that guild that um, Caroline Murphy was talking about was heavily involved in the con. And they won for Best Game in Progress. The winner of Best Family Game was Hibernation, where you take the role of a bear waking from your winter sleep, slim and hungry, and it's up to you to build a deck and race to gather food to be the first to hibernate while fending off foes along the way. Okay, the game that won best hobby game was Faza. F-A-Z-Z-A. We really enjoyed this game. I love the concept of that game. That... No, you, I mean, you've got these motherships over your city you got to destroy. And the, the cool thing is that the, the overpoweringly, you know, crazy enemy is actually has a faction that is pro human. <laughs> yeah, this is an us against them cooperative game yeah. where we are the human race and they are the aliens. Yeah. And you fight them. And this uh, booth was great. They had um, a chained up alien there that they had already <laughs> captured. So yeah, there was a robot too <laughs> yeah. moving around. That was cool. They had the <laughs> most amazing pin for a swag, roughly three times the size of a witch game first pin. So I was quite jealous. We did have pin envy. You can see the difference <laughs> between their pin and ours on our Twitter feed. And, <laughs> and uh, the game designers uh, did seem like a fun bunch of guys. I loved the uh, layout of this game and the pieces of the game. The motherships were these elevated cardboard structures that you dropped a D6 in on the top of it, and the D6 kept track of their health. So it was actually used as a counter. You would adjust the D6 number to how healthy the mothership was until you were able to destroy it. Hail Faction Vezeta. 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> and we were the meeples. So the us portion, the cooperative piece, we played meeples on the board to try to destroy the mothership. Everybody who was playing it looked like they were having a great time. Um, and wow, the art is fantastic. I love how every player on your team basically has one area of focus, you know, tactical, medical, political, and tech, and which, which is basically what you can boil down most beloved science sci-fi characters into. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's very retro archetypal, and the art reflects that. It's very 50s-style alien invasion, um, really done to a T. So the version of Faza we saw was a prototype printed game from GameCrafter, which was really beautiful looking. This is actually a game that's going to have a Kickstarter eventually. So keep an eye out for it. And you can learn more about it right now at the Faza. That's T-H-E-F-A-Z-A.com. The game that won most innovative was Lukewarm. I'm just going to read you their, their blurb. In a day gone mad with blizzards and scorchers, a young lad named Luke needs to make it home safe and warm. In this four-player asymmetrical game, you must take on a character using your wits and resources to accomplish your goal, which I assume is getting Luke home. And that's the most innovative Luke Warm. The Audience Choice Award was also the game that won most dynamic. So Schism won two awards. That's that's uh, wholly appropriate. And best in show was Crumbs. Ed, why don't you tell us about Crumbs? It's what you always wanted, a game that allows you to play as a park animal fighting over crumbs in a city park. Perfect. <laughs> Feed on the fear of your enemies and smite them with your mighty animal abilities so that you may gain the favor of the local granny and therefore more tasty crumbs. So your animals fighting over crumbs. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, someone has to fight over them. So I guess we'll all just have to stay tuned to see what comes of best in show crumbs. That brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. If you'd like more perks and content from the show, become a supporter today. Just go to our website and click on become a supporter. If you get a chance, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find the show. Join our chat on our Discord server, which came first, and supporters get access to exclusive channels. Follow us on your favorite social media. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Happy gaming, explorers! Happy gaming! Happy, Happy gaming fun. to all. And to all a good night.